How's everybody doing this morning? Had to, had to make sure I got that right because my notes say this evening because that was last night. So I just practiced that all morning long. Um, so that's great. Hey, I'm really excited to be here to share what God has on my heart today. But I'm not as excited as someone that showed up at church at nine this morning. This person, and I told him I wasn't going to mention his names, but it's M-I-L-E-S, if you're curious. He was so excited that he showed up at 9 o'clock, because apparently he couldn't look at his clock this morning. (laughs) Sorry, Miles. I still love you. I'm not sure I should mention things like that, because anytime you have a conversation with me, you're liable to make it into some sermon at some point in the youth room over there. So so no one's going to talk to me now anymore. So um, that's all right. Hey, I am excited about this. Um, do you ever get the, you ever read scripture and you, you feel like you just, this just doesn't apply to you, right? So when I was told, um, a few weeks back and maybe even months that uh, we were getting onto the Sermon on the Mount, we were going to get to Matthew seven and that's our passage today. We're going to look at it here in a little bit, but I get to this section and it starts with it's do not judge. And so I get to that section and I'm like, I really don't have a problem with that. So then, two weeks back, I start taking inventory about how many times I judge. I'm like, this scripture was written for me. That's crazy how God works like that, right? So here we go. I find it just fascinating that as we continue on, God throws this little section of scripture right kind of right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So for the slide right behind me, our text comes from the book of Matthew. It's chapter seven and it's one through six. And it says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Right? So we, I don't know. I mean, Raise your hand if you read that scripture a lot of times, right? A lot of us have read that scripture a lot, right? So God really has downloaded a lot of things for me in this message. And I hope that you're sitting there and your heart is open. Because I know for a fact that God of the universe knows your heart. The God of the universe knows the condition of your heart as you walked into this room this morning. And God can speak to you individually. So I hope you're open to that. That's always my prayer. Whenever I'm speaking here, speaking in the youth room, it doesn't matter where. I really want to, first of all, give God the glory for everything. And secondly, just really pray that you connect with a God who loves you. Right? So we could stop right there and be good. But I think God has some more things. So we're going to continue on. Right? So settle in. Right? I know, Bob. You want to go have breakfast. But no, you got (laughs) to... All right. So we're going to do a little experiment. 
Because I think I want to make a case right up bat, right off the bat, that this scripture applies to all of us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show a picture on the screen. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about the first thing that comes to your mind. Right? So how about this first picture? Anybody raise your hand if you know who that is. Right? So a few of you, raise your hand if you're like, if I see that guy, I am not inviting him over for dinner. (laughs) Yes. Well, this guy plays in a rock band. He was in a death metal band, right? It's kind of death metal. There's a lot of debate about the style of music that he played. He's in a band called Korn, right? And he was known for the party lifestyle that a lot of those kind of bands did. This guy had a conversion to Christ, And now he has one of the best ministries and witnesses that's out there. He has a video that's called I Am Second, right? It's an organization that says I Am Second. This guy is on there. And he has been watched over 500,000 times. Pretty amazing guy that had a conversion experience. What about this next guy? (laughs) Maybe the most polarizing person on the planet today. You either love him, hate him. There's no in-between for this guy. But what do you think about when you see him? Right? How about this next one? Someone last night said that that was me in the 70s. But I was never in a band. My wife was. She kind of looked like that. But no, that's okay. Don't worry, babe, you're way prettier than them guys. (laughs) This is a Christian band called Striper. Did you hear that? Christian band called Striper. They were busy in the 80s and the 90s, right? They got a great ministry. Did you judge them by their looks? I think a lot of us might have, right? What about this next one? Anybody know what this is? Raise your hand. Westboro Baptist Church. They are best known for picketing things and creating the craziest sign. This is the cleanest three signs I could find on the internet from Westboro Baptist Church. So what goes through your mind? Did you like, them guys are off? They're not even from this planet, right? What about this next one? So in this circle, Tim Tebow kind of has a favorable rating, right? But there's other circles that Tim Tebow does not. Again, very polarizing, right? What about this next one? Anybody in the room, you can raise your hand or not raise your hand. Think that they should have signs like that in your car. So someone came to me this morning, and again, I'm not going to mention his names, but it's G-R-E-G. He comes to me, and he says, Craig, it's not judging. It's just giving helpful, helpful hints on how to drive. But I'm here to make you a case this morning, and as we start, that we all struggle 
with judging. We all struggle with making an assessment on somebody based on a bunch of things. Maybe it's on what they wear. Someone came to me and says, you're, you're preaching today and you're wearing those kind of shoes. And I said, yes, I am. So I wore these shoes for that purpose alone. Someone called me this week and said, are you going to wear the toe shoes? And I said, yes, I am. But don't we all make some kind of assessment about people based on things? Could be their clothes. Could be how we drive or how they drive. It could be their parenting style. Anyone in the room look at somebody else's kids and go, dude, you are whacked. What are you doing with your kids? Right? Maybe it's your music or somebody else's music. Maybe it's the worship songs that are played in church. Worship style. Maybe it's so far as to say, I judge the pastor of a church. Maybe it's so far as to say, I have judged churches. Right? So let this sit in a little bit. Because I think God wants us to camp. I think this is a problem that we all have. We all have. So I think it's fascinating that God follows this in chapter 7 right after chapter 6. So Pastor Gabe did a great job last week talking about worry, right? And then it ends in chapter 6, and it says this. It should be a slide in verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So how does this apply to don't judge? I just know in my own life, and maybe I'm the only one, that when I start to worry, I judge more. Hmm. Today's troubles is enough for today, God says. So that's why he starts and he says, do not judge. He says, do not judge. So I looked up the word judge or judging, and the definition is this, is to form an opinion or conclusion about something. And then because I wanted to look all smart, I said, well, here's the Greek word for judge, right? Yes, youth pastors can search Google, right? So here we go. (laughs) The Greek word for judge is krino. It's to judge, decide. It is to pick out by separating for or against. I think that's a great definition of do not judge. Maybe it really should say do not separate. Because isn't that what we do when we judge? We're separating people. We're separating us from them. It's do not judge. Well, let's quickly look at three things that are the negative side of judging. These are the effects of judging. So the first one is the story of Joseph. It comes from the Bible. It's Genesis 37. I encourage you to read it later, right? We don't have time to read the whole story, but let me just tell you a little bit about the story. Joseph was in a big family, and the Bible records that his brothers hated Joseph because the Bible says that his father loved Joseph more than the other brothers. Isn't hate just a level of judgment a little bit deeper? So judgment can lead to bad things. Judgment can lead to bad decisions. 
Judgment separates and leads to bad things. If you remember the story in Genesis 37, his brothers got so fed up with Joseph that they're like, we got to kill him. So they're like, Joseph, let's go. So they tossed Joseph into a hole in the ground. And then they felt bad, got him out of the hole, and they're like, okay, let's sell him, because that's better. <laughs> so they sold him, and then they went and lied to their dad. Anyone go through that cycle? Sin, feel bad, sin again, lie to cover it up? Maybe it's just me. But I think that's a cycle that we all kind of go through. Judging can separate, and judging can lead to bad decisions. I just read, saw a news story this week that, that on the road, right? Road rage. Someone died because someone got all torqued off about somebody else's driving ability. Judging can lead to bad decisions. Here's the other problem with judging. Another problem is, is that it blocks our ability to love. So let's look at another story. This is in the New Testament. It comes out of the book of John, chapter 8. Again, I encourage you to read it later. And it says this. It's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Right? So the Pharisees are running around, and they catch this woman in adultery. And you got like, this is another sermon for another time. And you're like, what are the Pharisees doing just trying to catch this person? Right? But that's another sermon for another time. But they catch this woman in adultery, and they bring her in front of Jesus. Because they're always trying to trap Jesus. And so they say, Jesus, what do we do with her? Did she do wrong? Yes. Was she guilty? Yes. But they didn't just bring her to Jesus. They knew the law. The law said if you're caught in adultery, you could be stoned to death. So they came with Jesus. They all had a stone. Not just a rock, a stone. judgment so they were willing to wheel the stone at this woman was she guilty yes I said it already but she probably needed love more than she needed a stone did she have to suffer the consequences yes probably but she needed love she didn't need a stone Yeah, that was for effect. <laughs> hmm. Let me tell you a personal story. I have an older sister who's been married for quite a while, 20 plus years, right? This happened, I don't know how long ago, six, seven years ago, I don't know, right? And so for a series of events, she found out that her husband was cheating on her. Not just once. Not just twice, but more times than you can find imaginable. And all I know is that there was a lot of people in my family walking with stones. And they were ready to toss them. And maybe they might not have physically tossed them, but they were verbally tossing them. Anybody? So it's true today. Judgment 
separates people. It blocks our ability to love others. And then the third thing, the bad thing about what judgment does is it really, um, I think it's a form of idolatry. Because when you place judgment on somebody, you're really taking the position of God. And you're saying that I am taking divine prerogative against somebody. I am pretty sure that goes against one of the Ten Commandments. If you want to challenge me, look it up. But I'm pretty sure it says, take no other God before me. And I'm pretty sure God doesn't want us to play God. I'm pretty sure God doesn't want us to take judgment. This is why I think it's so emphatic that the first three words of this whole section of scripture that we're talking about this says, do not judge. And Jesus is emphatic about it because I think he knows the damage that it can do. Man, I just spent the first 15 minutes of this whole sermon on three words of our text. We're gonna be here till three this afternoon. So buckle in. But let's continue on. Because the rest of it is really kind of easier to talk about it. Right? But I want to get you a flavor of how important this concept is to the body. Because I think this section of scripture is not really about judging at all. I think Jesus is putting a warning out there and he's saying, don't judge. I think this is a redeeming scripture. And I'm going to make that point, and I'm going to prove it to you, I hope. So let's get to verse 2. Verse 2 says, For in the same way you judge others who should be behind me, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the mirror verse. Because every time that you judge, you really should be looking in the mirror. That's what this scripture says. When you judge, you need to look at a mirror and you need to say the same things exactly to you. Because what this scripture says, you have to hold whatever standards you hold to everybody else, you're holding to you. This mirror is great. I took it from Leah's bathroom, right? Um, and so this is, this is one of them makeup mirrors that has a far away view. And then if you're really good, you can really see every pore that ever existed on your face. That's what I crossed off. That was awesome. But maybe some of us need to look in the mirror. Maybe some of us need to turn the mirror and make it closer up view. And we need to really assess, do we really hold ourselves to the same standards that we hold other people to? Parents, do you live by the same standards you hold your kids to? Just a question just a challenge, just what that verse says to me. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. So then verse three, four, and five, the dust and the planks, right? It's pretty straightforward. I just love the language here that Jesus uses. You got to remember that this whole sermon was set on a mountainside and there was a lot of people there. And Pastor Bob made the case early on that the audience was really believers that Jesus was talking to. But you got to know that the Pharisees were hanging out because they're always hanging out. They do nothing but hang out. That's the job. No, I don't want that job. They just do nothing, but they're always there. So you got to think in the back of your mind, 
Was Jesus really in this little section, in 3, 4, and 5, in the back of his mind, thinking, streaking, speaking straight to the Pharisees? Maybe. I don't know. But I find it fascinating that he might have been. Because you see, the job of the Pharisees, or one of their jobs, was their job was to point out sins in other people. Meanwhile, they were blind to their own sin. Notice the language that Jesus uses here in this section. The sawdust and plank. Right? When you find the sawdust in somebody else's eye, but you have a plank in your own eye, who has the bigger problem? I'm thinking the plank is the bigger problem. But not only is the plank the problem, notice what it says also in verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly. Here's our problem. Sin blinds us. I like the, I just love the language that Jesus uses. So if you have a big old plank in your eye, right? It's got to block your vision. You're not seeing clearly. And Jesus says, you hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye. Well, let me just be honest with you. There was a time in my life where Jesus said this verse to me directly. Well, maybe not directly. He said it through a college roommate, okay? But maybe he was speaking right through my college roommate to me. Because when I went to college, man, I was, I was out of the house and I was living large. Or living stupid. I don't know. Either one. I don't know. Take your pick. Right? But I was a Christian. I professed to be a Christian. I claimed to be a Christian. I even was trying to help my, my college roommate. I was trying to share the gospel with him, but yet my life was not on the same page. So he turned at me one night and he said, Craig, you're a hypocrite. He might as well have said this verse right here. You hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye before you're worried about the sawdust in mine. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. This is like a blind person going to a blind person and saying, I will be your guide. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Jesus is calling it out and he's saying, You gotta stop. You've gotta stop. Gandhi said this I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. That hurts. That hurts as a body. That hurts. So then we get to verse 6. And we say, and verse 6 says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I think I've read this section of scripture a lot of times, and I've always just blazed right over this because I've never really understood it. Anybody? Maybe it's just me, right? Yes, thank you. My lovely youth group right there. Yes. So I always skip right over this because it just seems a little bit out of place. It talks about don't judge. It talks about taking the plank out of your own eye. And then it gets to this one. We're talking about dogs and pigs. So I've done a little study, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do when you preach, right? So I did a little study. That was a joke. You can laugh. It's all right. 
I done a little study on this. And one commentary that I read, I found fascinating. Lee wrong. One, one thing that I found is that one interpretation of this, that, that the dogs and the pigs represent the Gentiles, and the pearls represent the gospel of Christ. I'm like, how can you come to that conclusion? That doesn't make any sense at all. Did you read the rest of the Bible, or did you just read this one section? I don't know. But I don't think it means that. I think it's more closely related to a verse that I found in the book of Proverbs. Look at this, Proverbs 23, 9. It says this, do not speak to fools, for they will, they will scorn your prudent words. See, because here's the deal. I think what Jesus is trying to address with the dogs and the pigs, and especially the stray dogs, dogs and pigs, they don't understand value. So when they try, when you present somebody that doesn't understand value, they're just going to trample on that. This verse is probably best known for Facebook right now. Yes, I said it in a sermon, Facebook. <laughs> because here's what I can't stand right now about Facebook. Facebook is just about arguing anymore. And this is it. Even if you think you have the best comment that might help somebody else, someone's going to take it and trample on it and spit it right back at you. Anybody lose some friends over something you're trying to help them with? I think this section talks more about the Proverbs verse. Don't speak to fools. These are the people that don't really want help. These are the people that says that I got, I'm, I'm done. I'm on my own. I don't care what you say. These are the people that says, if you even give me a scripture, I'm going to face it, feed it right back to you. Don't give them value because they're going to trample on it. And I think it's really appropriate that it follows taking the plank out of your own eye. Because if you tried to help, like me, my college roommate, anybody, but yet you have a ton of stuff in your own life and they're looking at you like, how can you help me? You have your own problems. What makes you the authority? So verse 6 says that. It's a great little section of scripture. And I think it goes right in this whole section. Well, this whole Sermon on the Mount, and especially this section, is really talking about Jesus. Jesus is telling all of us, and he's exhorting, he's encouraging, he's commanding, he's urging Christians to live differently. Live better. Be the change in the world that the world needs. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount really is summed up in. And so we get to this section about judging, and he's talking about do not judge, and he's talking about taking care of your own sin, right? And then he gets to this, and I just want to point out to you that this story is really about redemption. Let's go back to our stories. Joseph, right? So Joseph gets sold, but his brothers didn't really know what was going on. The first thing I want you to realize is that God's will always wins. Always. 
You could be in the midst of sin, in the midst of judgment, in the midst of judging, but God's will wins. See, his brothers didn't understand what God's plan was. You've got to read the three chapters or longer in the book of Genesis to see what really happened, right? So Joseph gets sold, right? And then they didn't really know that Joseph was going to get exalted to be second in command of Egypt. They didn't know that there was going to be a huge famine in the land and that whole Israel was going to get wiped out. So they go to Israel, not knowing, just going to beg for some food. And there's Joseph. So you just got to read the story. Because there's a great little section in the story where God redeems the relationship. Man, you got to listen to this. I think Jesus is so emphatic about do not judging. Because God's whole plan is he wants to redeem relationships. The woman, at the, the woman that gets caught in adultery, right? So everyone's carrying stones around and they want, they come to Jesus and say, what do we do with her? And Jesus answers this and he says, he who is out without sin can throw the first stone. So everyone like all of a sudden wakes up and goes, ooh, that's not me. So they, got, they drop their stone and then they walk away. And Jesus asks this question. He goes, who now stands and condemns you. And the woman answers, no one. Listen to this, because this is probably for somebody in this room right now. Because Jesus says, neither do I. And then he has this next little line. And he says, now go and sin no more. Now go and sin no more. This is not about having a blind eye to sin. This is not about having, oh, I'll accept everybody. You can do whatever the heck you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. This is about loving people, restoring relationships. This is about encouraging and exhorting people, right? So our whole goal here, God's whole goal is for us to not sin. But in the middle of sin, God wants to redeem things. God, that's his whole plan. That's his whole plan. There's all kinds of other scripture about how do we confront sin, right? How do we confront it? There are tons of scriptures. There's probably in a whole nother sermon about how do we do it with the right heart, with the right love. This section of scripture says, don't judge. Don't separate somebody because they sin. Love them back. Hmm. Nobody's perfect. Not any one of us in this room is perfect. But together, we can help each other. Right? But because I like illustrations, that we're going to do this illustration. So I need my Vanna Whites to come up here. You don't even know who that is. You're too young. Thank you. Thank you, Vanna. <laughs> um, I actually have a different one. Thank you. So I have this little illustration that I just love doing. I've done it a few times before in youth group. Ooh, this ought to be fun. This is great. Spinning table, <laughs> right? So this represents one of these cups represents us. 
Let me just tell you, first of all, that we are all fallen. In the book of Romans, it says all have fallen and fallen short of the glory of God, right? It's because we're tainted. When we sin, we become dark, separated from God. Right, but it's because Jesus is part of the redeeming value. Listen to this. There's a scripture in the book of John. I think we all know this scripture. It's John 3.16. Right, and it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But a lot of us stop right there. And we don't read verse 17. Because I think 17 is even a better verse. Because 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So here's what Jesus did for us. But it gets better. Because this verse is talking about, this whole section of scripture is talking about judging. But the damage of judging is this, right? Because over time, even though that we're not condemned, even though that we're saved, we can have things in our life, sin or whatever it is, that can clog it up and can make us dirty again, right? And other people that are also the same way. I think I'm out of juice. That's good. It's pretty dirty, though. Wow, there's a comment right there. So you want to know what verse 5 says? Take the plank out of your own eye. That this is what it is, right? Because if you have a plank in your own eye, dirty water on dirty water is dirty water. You provide no help. I almost kicked that whole glass over. That was amazing. (laughs) Here's what we need. As a church. See, because I think this section of scripture is about redeeming a lot more than it is do not judge. Because I think Jesus is saying, if you judge, here's what happens. Jesus is about redeeming, right? So first of all, I think our job is we need to clean up ourselves first. Because when we clean up ourselves, then we can help other people. Come on, that's good. So when Jesus is really emphatic about do not judging, he knows why. Let me tell you about my sister. So the the whole family, they had stones in their hand. They were tossing them verbally at him, right? They had wanted nothing to do with this guy. Nothing. Like they were ready to just go after him. So Leah and I were on a trip down in Colorado Springs, right? And my sister calls me. Because she's just flat hurting. As anybody would be in that situation. Hurting. And she says, Craig, I don't know what to do. My heart says that I still love him. My heart says that I still want him. And I said, Debbie, 
I texted her and she, she gave me full permission to share this story in as much detail that it would help. And she says, Debbie, I said, Debbie, we serve a God that's a redeemer. We serve a God that's a reconciler. Let's pray for that. Let's start praying that we can then, let's, let's drop the stones and let's just start praying for redemption. So that's what we did. Maybe it was just the three of us, Leah, myself, and my sister. Because the family still had the stones in hand. But we were still praying. Well, I can tell you today that God is a redeemer. God is a reconciler. Today, they're still married. They're back together. They're happier today than they've ever been. Now, I know there's some stuff going on in this church today. I know there's some people struggling. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is in the business of redeeming. Jesus is in the business of reconciling. First, us to him, and then everybody else together. Hmm. So that's why we take communion every week. Because I think Jesus wants us to come to him. Do you know it's commanded in the Bible that says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. But it also says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of it from the cup. Everyone ought to take an inventory of themselves and sort of assess, and maybe they need to come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, confess their sins before they take communion. Because we need to take care of ourselves first. We need to go to God first. Our job and our mission is to have Jesus fill us up as much as possible. As much as possible. Man, did you know that this section in 7 where it says, Don't take, where it says, take the plank out of your own eye, did you know that was a communion verse? Not really. But isn't that the same thing as what we just read in, in Corinthians? Everyone examine themselves. Basically, take the planks out. Man, I want to be a church at this, and we're going to close here. Hebrews 10, 24. Worship team, you can come on up. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Spur one another on. Man, I want to be this church. I want this church. I want DCC to be this church that spurs one another on to love and good deeds. I want to be this church where we can come together. We can spur one another on. We can help each other. I also want to be a church that attacks sin. I also want to be a church that says, I'm done. I'm fed up with what the devil's trying to do in our lives. Because I serve a God that's bigger than the devil. I read the end of the book, the devil loses. And I think he's going to lose. That doesn't mean we accept sin, but what that means is we love people. I think we want to be that church. But I think we also maybe just need to go to God a little bit. 
So they're going to start with a song. It's called Come to the Altar. Great song for you to just connect with God on your own level. Let God speak to your heart. Or maybe you need to come to God and you need to say, God, man, I've messed up again. Forgive me. But we need to come to the altar, people. We need to come to the altar. And we need to bow before the God of the universe. And we say, God, we're not worthy. But because of what Jesus did for us, that makes us worthy to go to the altar. So they're going to play this song, Ryan, and I just want you to just, just, just let it soak into your veins. Not the song. I want God to soak into your veins. And then after the song is over, right, then Leah and I will be up here when we would love to serve you, serve you communion. Because when you take communion, you're remembering what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. What did he do for you? He stands before you just like he stood with the woman and he says, I don't condemn you. And so when you take communion, you're doing it in remembrance of what Jesus did. Let's pray. God, you're a good God. Bigger, stronger, more good than we will ever know. We thank you for that. So Lord, we just come to the altar. We come and lay things before you, God, and, and we just say, God, thank you for taking care of them. Father, clean me. Clean me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to just uh, sit and listen to this song and reflect on the awesome word that like he said, then, once you've had a chance to respond to God, listen to what God tells you, go ahead and move to the crosses and serve yourself communion. If you'd have to pin judgment to the cross, do that. Let's just take this time to reflect. Thank you.
you.